Welcome everyone to a new episode of FF Plus, your spoiler-free outlet for movie reviews, entertainment recommendations, and discussion. I'm your host, Aaron White, and I am excited tonight to be bringing you something different than a review. Instead, we're going to be talking about some of my most anticipated movies of 2022. The ones that I personally am excited for, and I think should be on your radar. Now, if you want to catch me on Twitter and follow me on social media, you can do that at Film. You can follow me on Letterboxd at Aaron, E-L-W-H-I-T-E. That's Aaron L. White. And I would love to interact, get to know you, and have lots of great film conversations there. I'm going to talk about the movies that I'm excited for in January through June of 2022. Now, why did I decide to break this up and not go with the full year? Namely because when I started to look at the movies that were coming out in the first half of this year, I found a lot that I was extremely excited for. And what it boils down to is, I like movies. I am optimistic about movies. I'm hopeful that they're going to be good. I go into them with a great excitement, generally speaking. And so I figured it was best to just break this up and revisit the second half of the year when we get closer. It's also partially because of delays. For example, right before recording this episode, one major delay happened, and so I think that there may be more coming. We won't know exact release dates for some of the latter half of the year films, especially the awards contenders that usually drop in the fall, until after some of the early film festivals have had their day and the dust has settled. Movies have been picked up and distributed by studios and moved around to avoid each other. So once all that happens, I'll release another episode maybe in late June and cover the second half of the year and the movies that I'm excited about seeing then. Without further ado, why don't we just go ahead and jump right into this list. There's no real structure here. I I don't plan on doing this the same for every single film. I'm not going to read a synopsis and actors and directors. Where I have that information, I'll give it, but I'm just generally going to tell you about the movie and why I personally feel that it is worth seeing, or I'm hyped for it. The first one we have in January is Scream. I hate that it's titled Scream, but it's really Scream 5. And I am extremely excited about this. I just finished my Scream series rewatch, including two documentaries about the creation of the movie and the creation of the entire series. They were great, gave me lots of background information and I'm just extremely, extremely ready to see a new entry in this and find out what is going to happen when Wes Craven is no longer the director. That makes me a little nervous. I haven't watched a trailer, which is the case for the vast majority of these movies. And I really don't even know who all is going to be in the cast. I don't know who's returning. I'm going into this as blind as possible. I want to be surprised. The Scream series is all about having great cameos in the second, third, fourth films. And so I expect there will be quite a few more of those. I'm very interested to find out where they're going to take the story. The story in 4 is crazily modern. If you rewatch it, you'll see it deals with webcasting and it talks about Facebook. Some of the things that you'd expect a new entry to kind of use tech-wise and social media-wise. So where they decide to go has me very intrigued. Now, the directors of this film are the guys who are responsible for Ready or Not, which was a great movie. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that they'll be able to translate this material and give us a good, solid new entry. I'm not expecting a masterpiece or anything, but hey, 
I'll take it. And it's cool to get a horror movie in January. That is when all of the Scream series has been released, January or February. Famously, Bob Weinstein decided that they should do that in order to kind of counter the family program of the holidays. And I'm excited. The rest of January, there'll be a few more films coming out that you guys have not seen probably, but I am definitely high on and I am going to recommend. That would be The Tragedy of Macbeth, Belle, and Cyrano. We may or may not be covering some of those on the podcast, but those are three that I hope are on your radar. I loved everything about them. Moving on into February, we start the month off with Moonfall. This is a new Roland Emmerich disaster movie. It's kind of like you had me at hello for myself personally. I love the disaster movie. I am an Armageddon apologist, and this one has a sci-fi flavor as well. I think there might be aliens involved. I'm not 100% sure what is going on, but if it's a disaster movie plus aliens, I just, I don't know how this could get any more made for me. It looks absolutely ridiculous. It's going to have a gigantic budget and big special effects. It's going to be an awesome theater experience. I have no doubt about that. It's going to be very corny and cheesy, and I hope that it will be a huge, huge hit. I'm looking forward to this one big time, and I think that it's going to be really hitting the spot in early February. Usually we get this kind of blockbuster in the summer, so to get it kind of spread out like this, man, I'm all for it. The next one is on February the 10th, and this is a movie that is releasing on HBO Max called Kimmy. This is from Steven Soderbergh, and I actually just learned about this today. The reason I'm really excited about this is not just because it's a new Soderbergh, which is always an event, but this movie is set in Seattle during the COVID-19 pandemic and is about an agoraphobic tech worker, played by Zoe Kravitz, who discovers recorded evidence of a violent crime but is met with resistance when she tries to report it. Seeking justice, she must now do the thing that she fears the most, leave her apartment. Seems like a pretty standard kind of a thriller setup, but Steven Soderbergh has a great way of shooting this kind of tension, and so I am looking forward to seeing what he does with this one, and frankly, just how well the city of Seattle gets to star in this movie, because I live here. And it's always interesting to find out if a movie is going to utilize the city as a character or if they're just going to show the Space Needle in the backdrop and be like, oh yeah, we name dropped the fact that we were here and not really have a movie that needs to take place in the city. Like it, it could take place anywhere in the world and it wouldn't be any different. So I'm curious how that's going to happen with Seattle and seeing as how I obviously lived through or am living through still the COVID-19 pandemic here in this city. It'll be very intriguing. Also, this has a Cliff Martinez doing the score and love his electronic music. I think that will work really well with Soderbergh's style. On February 11th, we have I Want You Back. This is a rom-com that stars Jenny Slate and Charlie Day. They're going to be playing two 30-somethings whose exes have moved on and they are going to team up to try and get them back. We have seen this movie before, I feel like probably many times, but honestly, I don't care. Because when you can relate to a story like this, and I can relate to a story like this, it's worth seeing. And I think that these two actors will make for a really cute pairing when it comes to this rom-com. And maybe they'll subvert the genre. Maybe they'll do something unique, and they won't just end up together and discover that they should have been in love all along, like 90% of these stories do. 
either way, I don't really care. I'm excited to check it out, and I will probably be crying and swooning all over it. Then on February the 18th, we have a twofer. We have Dog and Uncharted. Now, Dog is a movie that seems pretty simple. It's about Channing Tatum, who is an ex-military guy, and he is taking a military dog on a road trip. It looks adorable, and I am a major sucker for any sort of dog movie now. It seems to be the kind of film where Channing Tatum's character has faced some sort of disgrace and is looking to find redemption, and this dog kind of needs that as well in his own way, and they're going to befriend each other and find out that they need each other, and they're going to grow from this relationship, so... It's probably going to win me over and again, make me cry because movies like this tend to do that. Then we have Uncharted, which guys, I'm really nervous about. I gave in and I watched the trailer for this in front of one of the IMAX films I saw over Christmas holidays because it was finally on the big screen for me. And I could not have been more disappointed. Uncharted is among my favorite video game series of all time. I have a poster of Nathan Drake on my wall and a replica of his famous family ring hanging from it. I'm honestly obsessed with the treasure hunting and adventure genre, and I have been optimistic about this movie for years now, and really wanted it badly, despite the constantly rotating carousel of directors that have come through Sony and been attached to this. But then I watched this trailer, and this just did not do it for me at all. I do not see Nathan Drake, even a young Nathan Drake, in Tom Holland. This is no shade to Tom Holland, but Tom Holland, when he has his American accent, he sounds the same in every film he does, and he feels like Peter Parker in pretty much every film he does, and this is that kind of role. It's so close to that when it comes to the wisecracking but it's not the same, and it just doesn't feel right to me. The CGI, I think, is abysmal. There is a scene in this trailer that is definitely almost like a mixture of two major set pieces, one from Uncharted 2 game and one from Uncharted 3 game, and they look both so much better in the video games. They're so much more exciting and interesting in the games. In this movie, it is abysmal. It's awful. It's just horrendous. It looks so fake and so silly that I couldn't believe it. I couldn't take it seriously. And I just am so worried that they're going to ruin this. Some of my favorite directors have been attached to this movie at one point or another, and all of them have left. Some of them have even cited that they left specifically because of creative differences and that they had a story they wanted to tell about young Nathan Drake, and Sony was set on doing it a certain way and wouldn't allow them to deviate. And that concerns me, because Sony doesn't have a track record of video game adaptations being stellar because they wrote them, you know? They need to allow talented people to adapt this material. Anywho, I'm very worried. Maybe going in with low expectations will let me have more fun with it. That's what I'm hoping. I guess we shall see. Getting into March, we have March 4th, The Batman. All right, I don't have a lot to say. Everybody's hyped for this. I don't need to say anything to get you excited. You either are, you aren't. 
this is going to be an event. I have not yet watched a trailer. I've abstained from all marketing because I want to go in fresh. Batman has always been my favorite superhero. Spider-Man has been gaining on him over the years, but Batman will always remain my favorite DC by a landslide. And here we go. New rendition of the character. I've loved all of them previously. I'm excited to see what kind of dark vibe can be brought to this and what Pattinson has in the tank and that he can show us as Bruce Wayne and as the Dark Knight himself. So couldn't be more excited about it, but I'm just going to sit patiently in the dark and wait until that day comes when I am in the theater ready to be mesmerized. On March 11th, a week later, we have Pixar's first film of the year, Turning Red. I don't know much about this other than a girl turns into a big red panda that's incredibly fluffy and adorable. And honestly, I don't know that I need to know anything else other than that. It's Pixar. It's got an animal. It's going to be cute. It's going to be sweet. It's going to be affecting. And my one hope is that as an animated film, it does something unique to break the mold. Pixar is so steady and so good at putting out high quality animation and high quality emotional stories but they haven't really done anything super unique in recent years. And I'm hoping that they're able to surprise us and give us something that maybe we haven't quite seen from them before. On March 25th, we have The Lost City. Remember earlier when I was talking about how much I love treasure hunting and the adventure genre? Well, this is a comedy-leaning new entry into that arena, and it's normally not my thing. I don't love straight comedies. But I do love this particular cast, and I think with the treasure hunting aspect of it that it could absolutely work for me. It could be the right mixture that gets me laughing and gets me excited about the adventure aspect both on an equal basis. And I'll have to wait and see, but I'm going to go into this one optimistic. I choose not to be too worried about it because if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But it's worth seeing, I think, to find out. Then we head into April, and as of today, on April the 1st, we will be getting Morbius, which used to be happening in January. I was super excited about that actually coming later this month. I love vampire stories, and I think that Jared Leto is perfectly cast in this role. I have seen this trailer several times, and it's pretty terrifying. I'm really excited to find out just how dark they decide to go and how much this leans into the horror aspect that it seems to be setting up in the trailer. I'm also very curious how Michael Keaton's Vulture from the MCU is going to tie into this world. I wonder if perhaps Sony has pushed this back not just because of the pandemic, but perhaps because of Spider-Man's success. Are they going to work in some sort of cameo that maybe wasn't previously in this movie? I, I just hope that this gives us more answers as to how Sony and Marvel's universes are going to continue to collide. And I'm just totally here for it. I think it looks bonkers, fun, and just scary and awesome. And I, it's one of my most anticipated of the year for sure. The Contractor also will be dropping on April 1st. This is about a man who was involuntarily discharged from the U.S. Special Forces, played by Chris Pine. 
he is going to join a private contracting organization alongside his best friend, played by Ben Foster. So the two of them are under the command of a fellow veteran, played by Kiefer Sutherland, and they are going on an overseas covert mission to evade some folks that are trying to kill them while they're making their way back home. The last time Chris Pine and Ben Foster got together, it was one of my favorite movies of the decade, and that was Hell or High Water. So I am expecting great things from this. You add Kiefer Sutherland to that cast, it's got a military background to it. It sounds phenomenal. And, you know, this is one where I didn't know anything about it until I was just reading movie blurbs of what was coming out later this year. I'd never heard of this one. But now that I have, I'm extremely hyped to check this out. On April 8th, we get Ambulance from Michael Bay, baby. That's right. The new film starring Jake Gyllenhaal and Yahya Abdul-Mateen. This movie looks outstanding. There's some great drone photography that Michael Bay seems to have integrated into his photography style. And I'm a Bay apologist. I loved Michael Bay in the 90s and early 2000s. I think that his style has suffered in the last couple of decades. It's kind of gotten worse and worse. And the lesser aspects of what he does have been kind of accentuated to the point where others have found ways to shoot action that is much more visceral while also being entertaining and able to be followed with the eye better. And I am excited to see if Michael Bay is able to kind of recapture that old magic. The cast is everything. And it seems like it's going to be just a fast-paced chase movie. It's a heist, which is always high on my uh, you know list of things to see that I love. So yeah, Michael Bay, I'm ready. I'll take it. If you don't like him, you're not going to be convinced, I don't think. But those of us that do, it's nice to have him back on the big screen. On April 15th, we're getting 13 lives. This is going to be a live action version of the Thai soccer boy team that got stuck inside of the caves. Instead of the documentary The Rescue that we got in 2021, the excellent film, uh, this is going to come from Ron Howard. It's going to star Viggo Mortensen and Colin Farrell. I think it should be really good. Uh, the story is, you know, amazing. Just the way in which the world had to come together to save these boys and to accomplish this task is pretty astounding. And it makes for a great thriller. It's going to make for a really inspirational movie. And I think it's going to be a good, good family film on the big screen. On April 22nd, which is the weekend of my birthday, I'm always, you know, specifically honing in on this to see what comes out, what's going to be my birthday movie. Well, this week, we are going to have two great picks, one of which is animated, which is right up my alley, and that is The Bad Guys. This is going to be an action comedy movie all about animal outlaws, and it has a spy film and heist vibe to it. I really like what I have seen so far, and I'm anxious to see more. And then the other one is The Northman, the next film from Robert Eggers. I have split down the middle on his last two films. I loved The Witch, thought it was outstanding. I did not go for The Lighthouse. It's just a little bit too far out there. This movie, The Northman, looks to be very grounded and straightforward without too much weirdness to it. 
And it is one of the few trailers I've watched this year, and I've watched it probably a dozen times. Looks absolutely incredible. The abs on Skarsgård are insane. The cast in general is just off the chain. There is so much talent attached to this. It's going to be visceral and dark and bloody and hardcore. And it's going to have some sort of mysticism to it. And I am just so absolutely here for it. And this is going to make my birthday such a treat to get to have this released on that same weekend. And then to close out April, on April the 29th, we have 65. And this is another movie that I didn't really know anything about until I was just reading about films that were coming out. And it says, Adam Driver as an astronaut who crash lands on a mysterious planet and discovers he's not alone. I don't know about you, but I don't need anything else more than that. It's got a sci-fi slant to it. He's out there in space. It's Adam Driver. That's all I need. I'm intrigued. And bring it. Show me what's up. And why is it called 65, by the way? That alone has me already asking questions. So put that one on your list to keep an eye out for. Moving into May, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness comes on May the 1st. I was not a big fan of the first Doctor Strange movie. I thought it was fine, but personally it was lower tier MCU for me. Since then, the character's really grown on me, and especially after this past year of Marvel content with WandaVision and now Spider-Man No Way Home, I am appropriately excited for this sequel and all of the potential wacky multiverse shenanigans and evil variants that it is going to have to offer. Please, please, please let this also usher in the House of M storyline with Scarlet Witch and you never know, maybe this will be our introduction to mutants in the MCU. It could do it, right? There could be a, an avenue for that to happen, but I think this is going to be really good. And with Sam Raimi taking over for Scott Derrickson, it's going to be a different feel than we got in that first film. And since I didn't particularly love it, this gives me hope that maybe this will be something that works better for me. May 20th, we have DC League of Super Pets. I don't know what to say. This is about an animated film that is starring the pets of DC superheroes and it's amazing. It's going to be awesome. And you either like that or you don't, I can't convince you probably, but for me, yeah, I'm all the way here for that. And then on May 27th, supposedly we're getting Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> I feel like I've been burned by this movie so many times. Seems to have been on my most anticipated list for three years running now. Pandemic is just completely demolished that aspect of trying to get excited for upcoming movies because you never know what's going to move. But it supposedly is finally coming out. I'm still slightly nervous that this exists at all. I have strong faith in the filmmaking team and mostly I have faith that Tom Cruise would not be doing this unless it was worthy of being a sequel to that greatest movie one of my favorite films of all time. I think that he holds that in such high regard that he would not want to tarnish the legacy no matter what. And so fingers are crossed. I know that if this is a movie that reaches its highest potential, we're talking it could easily be my favorite film of the year. So I have some of that anxiety kind of going into it, but that also creates a massive feeling of energy 
and passion that is going to come with me into that theater, hoping for the best. So Top Gun Maverick would have been in my top five overall for the year if I was breaking it down in that way. And then last, we come to June. And for me, the three movies in June that we know about so far that seem interesting or are on my radar are coming on June 10th, Jurassic World Dominion. How can you not look forward to a movie with dinosaurs on the big screen? I love Jurassic World. I was let down by Fallen Kingdom, but where Fallen Kingdom left off had me very intrigued with this world that was now overtaken by wild dinosaurs. This Earth, like not not just Earth, this America, essentially, that was taking over. We've seen a short film that kind of hints at what would that look like if dinosaurs just showed up? I think that happened. She showed up at like a, a campground. And it's really cool. I've also fallen in love with the animated series on Netflix, Camp Cretaceous, in the meantime. And I'm hoping that that series lines up with this movie and maybe we get some live action cameos from the kids in Camp Cretaceous. That would be a really neat thing. And with the way that every bit of entertainment is sort of leaning into nostalgia these days, I could see that happening pretty easily. So I'm going to remain hopeful that Jurassic World Dominion corrects the course and gets this awesome franchise back in our good graces. June 17th, we have Pixar's next film, Lightyear. There's not much more that I could want from the Toy Story universe, but a Buzz Lightyear origin story is on the short list. Toy Story is a franchise that is four for four in my books. It's one of the very, very rare, perfect series. I used to call it a perfect trilogy. Now there's four films and they're all perfect. So I know that this is not a direct sequel to those because it's a prequel and it's a solo character prequel. But if they manage to put the same amount of care into this that they have the rest of that franchise... I think that it could fit in perfectly and maybe we'll go five for five and it'll be all five star bangers that nothing would make me more happy to see that. It looks a lot like an animated version of Damien Chazelle's First Man. And if we get something similar to that vibe, but with a little more comedy, then I will probably be very satisfied. And then on June 24th, we have Elvis movie, which we're starting to get into stuff here that doesn't even have titles yet. This is the Baz Luhrmann music-related movie about Elvis. I honestly don't have any kind of feelings for Elvis whatsoever. I don't love his music. Don't really know a lot about his history. Don't really care about his history. I'm excited for this movie simply because it's Baz and everything Baz Luhrmann has made that is music-adjacent so far, I have found myself being really into and enjoyed quite a bit. So I think that this is one of the must-see events for me, regardless of having a direct reason to be excited about the content of the movie and the plot. It's all about the director and just the fact that he's making a new movie. That's what has me into this one. So as you can see, there are a ton of movies that I'm excited for coming up in the first half of this year. I'd love to know what I missed. What is on your list? Come find me on social media. Again, you can hit me up on Twitter at Film. You can find me in the Feelin' Film Facebook discussion group. Those links are always in the show notes. But I would love to know what it is that you get your blood pumping for that maybe isn't moving the needle for me. And then what do you agree with me on? Which ones of these would be on your most anticipated list if you were 
making one yourself. That's it for this week on FF+. Plus. Hopefully I've told you about something that you didn't know about. Maybe one of these films is now on your radar. That would be my goal. And you will now be able to look forward to that. And then we can share in our excitement when it finally arrives. I'll be back soon. Until then, keep watching, keep feeling good.